0: And one of the things that I wanted you, I tried to get across is that there is a great deal of God's love that we don't know anything about yet. That every day, as we look in Scripture, as we look in the spirit of prophecy, we can learn and will learn more about God's love. Have you ever thought about what God's biggest problem is with the human family since we rebelled and went along with Satan? What has been God's biggest problem? How has has God painted How has Satan painted God? What has he made him look like? How do... Most of the world look at God. That He's looking to see what we do wrong, mm-hmm. right? Is God, in the general press, in the general thinking, thought of someone who loves, that someone who cares? And I'm even thinking in my mind about you and I. When things go wrong, when we have cancer, when we have things that are tearing our lives apart, what do we think of God? Because uh, because of what satan has done and it's our na- and i think it's our natural reaction to kind of believe what satan has done but what was god's problem after sin in this world what problem did god have did he still love us with all his heart and mind and soul, he loved us, right? Yeah. And when you love somebody, what do you want to do? Trust them. Trust them? The title of what I spoke of with last time was, Behold, I Come Quickly. And why did Jesus want to come quickly? Because when you love somebody, you want to be with them. Now, after we sinned, did we have the same relationship with God that we had before? Did we have the open communication? Did we know who He was? But could God take us, after sin, and save us for eternity? That's what He wanted, but could He do that? No. We talked a little bit about last time about the first angel's message where it talks about judgment and why God needed to judge. Because if he saved everyone, if he just destroyed Satan and his angels, let's say, what would happen in the universe? if all of us were saved for eternity in sin, would there be happiness? We would have the same thing, only it would be spread far and wide. So God had to find a way to separate you and I by our own choice from sin from the rebellion that Satan has started. And what is it that he did? How did he choose to start the process of separating you and I from sin by our own choice? He sent his son, right? He sent his son to live here to show you and I in his life, what love is like and what his father is like and what he wants you and I to be like. In the book Mount of Blessings, it says, The cross of Calvary is to be lifted high above the people, absorbing our minds and concentrating our thoughts. Then all the spiritual faculties of you and I will be charged with divine power direct from God. Then there will be a concentration of our energies in genuine work for the Master. The workers will send forth to the world Beams of light as living agencies to enlighten the earth. Do you catch what I'm saying? Haven't we been admonished to spend some time every day thinking about the closing scenes of Jesus' life? Why did Jesus die? the one who created everything, who had all power, who could speak and create sons out of his mouth, came down here as a baby to show us his love. And then died on Calvary, the one who had everything, because he knows that we have to know about his love. And not only know but delete but believe. And in thinking about this, I've tried to figure out how to explain the difference between knowledge and belief. Is there a difference between knowledge and belief? Yeah. Knowledge we usually think of as facts, right? I know when I eat a 2,000 calorie meal and if I do it every day or every meal I have knowledge about what's going to happen, right? But what do many of us use as rationalization? It might happen to you but it's not going to happen to to me. So do I believe it? I have the knowledge, but do I believe it? I have not believed it, do I? I haven't brought it in. And so it is that many have heard of Jesus. They've heard of Jesus' love. But do they really believe it? How do we know the difference between just knowing something and believing something? Really convinced that it's true? Action. What kind of action? Is it going to be the action's going to be controlled by what? Mm-hmm. By the knowledge, right? By the knowledge that we have. If you haven't read this little book, or if you don't have it, I think you will enjoy it if you do. It's called Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. And in a book that was published in India, it was titled Eternal Love Portrayed. This book gives us, you can't go a page or two pages without reading something about God's love. So don't just read it. Study it. On page 115 it says, the one thing essential for you and I, and I'm changing the pronouns here that says us, but adapting it. The one thing essential for you and I in order that we may receive and impart the forgiving love of God is to know and believe the love that he has to us. Satan is working by every deception he can command in order that you and I may not discern that love. Do you get that? Four times from page 100 to 120, in thoughts on the Mount of Blessing, she makes statements just about exactly the same. Now, when a teacher tells you something four times, is it important? Going to be on the test, yeah. I can see we've been in school. The greatest is how well we evaluate the teacher, Right? <laughs> But to know and to believe, that means it's a change. Something's going to happen in our lives when we believe. God has given us so much information, hasn't he? the truths of the scripture, the commandments, and what we're going to think about for for two or three minutes here, the Beatitudes. He's given us what love is all about. And he has given us thousands upon thousands of pages of information about his love, But my question is, do we believe it? And my proposal is is that when we know God's love as he wants us to know it, then we will believe and allow his power to do in us what he wants to do. So for a few minutes, we're going to look at the Beatitudes, When Jesus spoke on the mount about the Beatitudes, the people had a hard time accepting what he was saying because it was so different, so contrary to what they had been taught and believed. Matthew, the fifth chapter, third verse. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What did Jesus mean by poor in spirit? Does it mean somebody that their head is down toward the ground and they're walking around in a miserable state? Poor in spirit. Are we poor in spirit? I'd like to be the captain of my own ship, do you? I'd like to make my own decisions. But in my life, I have found that a lot of decisions were pretty rotten. And spiritually Jesus is saying here is that you're helpless. you don't know what to do. And he's saying, until you and I realize that we know very little spiritually about what salvation is and what sin is, until this comes, we're not going to be able to, to grow. Sin is going to continue have power in our lives. From Mount of Blessings, page 7, those of us who know that we cannot possibly save ourselves or of ourselves do any righteous action are the ones who appreciate the help that Christ can bestow. We are poor in spirit, whom he declares to be blessed. In our Sabbath school lesson today, it talked about a verse in John 15, 5. The very end of that verse, it says, how much can we do? We can do nothing. Do you like it when somebody tells you you can't do anything on your own? Do you like that? We go to school, we get degrees, we get things, and the Bible says at least spiritually. There's nothing we can do on our own. And so Jesus is telling this group, unless you know that you're helpless and you can't do anything, you can't do any good thing, you're not going to make it. This is the beginning. This is when we will start practicing through the Holy Spirit's power and obeying what he says that love, when we know that love and that he is the best, for, best in mind for us. But until we come to the place that we realize that our self-righteousness will get us nowhere, and it's the only the death of Jesus and his sacrifice for our sins that can change and separate us from sin so that we can have the relationship with Jesus So that when Jesus comes back, that he can take us home to be with him. Matthew 5.4 Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. The mourning that's brought forward here to view is true heart and sorrow for sin. I don't know about you, but as I look back in life and evaluate the number of mistakes and the number of things, I realize that I've caused a lot of pain to myself, a lot of upsetting to other people. I don't know about you. But when we see Jesus' love and the way he wants things to be, and the way he wants our lives to be, and we look at the way we have under our own intelligence and our own decision-making, how much sorrow and how much pain has been caused, then we have sorrow, then we mourn for what we have done. And when we know, did Jesus have sorrow? Did Jesus have pain? He did. Day in and day out, they were trying to. But Jesus stands by us, whose eyes are so blinded sometimes by the tears that we have, that we do not discern him. He longs to clasp our hands, to have us look to him in simple faith, permitting him to guide us. His heart is open to our griefs, our sorrows, and our trials. He has loved us with an everlasting love and with loving kindness and us about. We may keep the heart stayed upon him and meditate upon his loving kindness all the day. He will lift the soul above the daily sorrow and perplexity into a realm of peace. If we only knew how much? When we're poor in spirit, we know we can't do anything of ourselves. It has to be our relationship with Jesus. It brings a sorrow, brings mourning for what has happened that didn't need to happen. If he had been controlled in our lives, if we had allowed, if we had allowed him to separate us From sin by obeying everything that he says. Verse 5 of Matthew 5 Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness, many times, is not a very enviable trait. Many times we think of weakness as uh, meekness as weakness. Was Jesus weak? He created the Son, right? He has all power, heaven and earth. But was he meek? I suggest to you that in this situation, what we're talking about, it's not lack of power, but not using that power in for your own benefit, for your own gain, for yourself. Meekness is using the power for a blessing for everybody else. If you talk to somebody who's done years of research in a certain area and you ask them a question about an issue in this area, when they give you an answer, is it usually a one or two year, 2 word answer? If they've researched it very deeply, spent years in it, they usually give you all kinds of qualifications, don't they? In this situation, this is true. And it's not true in other. And they try to give us, uh, they're very specific. But when you ask somebody that, or even them, about some other area that they haven't studied very much, they can give you a very dogmatic answer, can't they? Whether it's true or not, they don't know very much about it so they can give an answer. Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus says, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. If any man or woman will come after me, let them deny themselves. Let self be dethroned, and no longer hold the supremacy of the soul. The independence and self-supremacy in which we glory are seen in their true vileness as tokens of servitude to Satan. Our human nature is ever struggling for expression ready for the contest. But we who learn of Christ are emptied of self, emptied of pride, emptied of the love of supremacy and their silence in the soul. Self is yielded to the disposal of the Holy Spirit. Then we're not anxious to have the highest place. We have no ambition to crowd and elbow ourselves into notice. But we feel that our highest place is at the feet of the Savior. Meekness. Willing, surrendering ourselves completely 100% every day. Will Jesus take over our life? Does the Holy Spirit know the best things for us to do every moment of the day? Are we willing to consult and give the power, I mean real power, in our lives to Jesus? And I think as the degree that we know how much he loves us, we're willing to do that. We trust And as we've mentioned before, when we look to Calvary. Verse 6, blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Ellen White, in speaking of this verse, says, righteousness is holiness, likeness to God, and God is love. It is conformity to the law of God, for all your commandments, for all God's commandments are righteous. And love is the fulfilling of the law. Righteousness is love, and love is the light and the life of God. The righteousness of God is embodied in Christ. We receive righteousness by receiving Jesus. Makes an interesting statement here. I don't know if you can the first. The first statement says, Righteousness is holiness. And further down it says, righteousness is love. So, right, holiness, love, and righteousness are all equal to each other, right? Holiness and love are together. The question for each of us is do we hunger and thirst for these things? Is this the object of our life? That we want God's plan of separating us from sin to take place by hungering and thirsting and knowing his love and asking for his power day by day the Holy Spirit will help us to be obedient to everything that he says to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your love. Somehow may your Holy Spirit come into each of our hearts, that we will hunger and we will thirst to know more of who you are and your love. How much you are involved in every minute of the day to keep our hearts beating, to keep our, the blood circulating, to keep our breath. Father, you love us so much that Jesus died. May we take it on an individual basis that it was for us. That we may know your love, that we will follow. Realize we are helpless. Be sorry for the things and the pain that we have caused to realize that we need your information as explained by you because we don't know. And finally, may our lives be be surrendered to you. We ask this in Jesus' precious name.